Hey, and welcome into another episode of the Make Your Mark Wrestling Show on the Tell Me More podcast. I'm your host, Mac Moore, here again with Ethan Raby. How's it going, Ethan? Lars Sullivan, out six to eight months. I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm glad that's the thing that uh, means you're doing great. I'm glad that's the thing that you need in your life. Uh, oh, no, those are separate statements. Oh, they're just... I was, I was, I was I had my news hat on. And, you, uh, you were just trying to undercut me with the, the next segment when I actually talk about the different uh, wrestling news going on right now? You just wanted to beat me to the punch? You wanted to scoop me? Yes. You did a good job of it. Well done, Ethan. <laughs> uh, before we start talking about Lars Sullivan being out and other uh, news in the wrestling world right now, uh, we're going to start the thing, same thing we've been starting with, uh, the segment we've tried to create, which is just us talking about things in wrestling that we like to watch. We know we can be very negative, particularly when we're talking about uh, WWE product and people are always so negative. So even we're either defending against negativity or we're the ones creating the negativity. We want to have some part of the podcast be positive, and we will start with Ethan telling us what is the best thing in wrestling you've watched since the last time we talked. Um, I think it's uh the the other uh the other Fatu is it Jacob Fatu? Uh, yeah, the one that just uh I, I'm assuming it was a work, but like assaulted a fan. I I actually did not say. I know it's been posted uh, in no, our I, little Facebook Messenger uh, back and forth. I didn't actually get a click on it to see what happened. Um, it's the, the whole video is basically, it's like a fan who's like flipping them off and doing this and like step past, like, you know, that line, of of, of you know, where it's okay to be at. like, if you're behind the barricade and you're flipping me off and telling me you're going to kick my ass, that's fine. But once they hop the barricade, they're kind of like fair game yeah. is how every wrestler has always described it, which I don't know how, like, this is like the last relic of the wild west where the law just doesn't matter. Wrestlers like, hey, if you get in that zone, like it's kind of like jumping into a fucking orca tank. Like, like whatever happens, I don't even know if it's wild, wild west. I mean, you think of it, it's like trespassing. It is you as a fan before you do that is not trespassing. The moment you do, you've crossed a line, and now you're up to being shot by the homeowner. And 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 don't misunderstand me. I think it's maybe the best thing in (laughs) wrestling, and that's kind of why I brought up this moment is because uh, it just when that happened, it sparked a lot of. like reposts of old material. Um, there was one that I watched of uh, it's a match between Austin and Triple H. Austin's a champ, so it's probably late nineties. Yeah, early I know 2000s. the one you're talking about. Yeah, where it's like a fan jumps in, just jumps on on Stone Cold, and Triple H beats the shit out of him. And the referee is even like kicking the dude and yep. like throwing in shots. It's like it looks like a comedy act, but it's it's just no. They're like the probably the most. Uh, well, not about the most. In my opinion, the probably the most notable, like famous instance of this is the one where uh, dude jumped a barricade when Hogan turned heel, and uh, yeah. I think I think I think Kevin Nash lays him out. So it's Nash Hall. One of them just lays the dude. Dude jumps a barricade and runs into the ring and just gets decked. Hmm. So uh, that's that's the best thing that uh, my brain has been experiencing in wrestling is uh, fans who try to attack wrestlers getting the shit kicked out of them. Those are great moments. I love everyone. And I love uh, also because they're ones I've been watching or seeing since I was young or like I guess since internet made it so easy to access all these old things. But like it's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. And then I think about it I'm like, oh, Kinsey hasn't seen this. So like just randomly it's going to be like, oh, you want to yeah. look at this right now? And she's like, oh, my God. And yeah, like that, definitely the moment of Triple H just beating the hell out of the fan. Like, it's just so good. That's like the best. Like, the stuff that it's not even like deep, 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 like secretive stuff. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I've seen yeah. that clip of this weird thing that happened. But you're like casual wrestling fan or your new wrestling fan or 
Yeah. You just and, have it in your back pocket. Yeah, you you're bookmark like, it. Oh, oh, I can, I can. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like being ninety years old and being like, well, I could talk about the war, or whatever. So I'm at least gonna have some audience there. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I didn't that's, actually that's get my equivalent. <laughs> I didn't get actually watch uh, the the one you were talking about, but uh, one of the things I did watch was just randomly. I don't even, you know, I, I feel bad for not knowing who to shout out, but somebody on Twitter had uh, made a, a joke along the lines of. Uh, some of you out there haven't watched Big Show versus Ric Flair fight for the ECW title in 2007 or whatever, and it shows, you know. And I was like, well, <laughs> shit, I'm going to jump in and watch that right now. And that would have been the best thing that I've watched watching. So it's 2006 or 2007, I forget which one. But basically at that time, Ric Flair is like 57 years old. In an ECW Extreme Rules match with Big Show as the ECW champion, and like... It is, you know, obviously... It sounds like a video game when you put it that way. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's, these are my it's, stipulations. It's hard to believe. Like, I was still sort of watching wrestling at that point. This is before, like, my fallout of, like, not watching. I mean, yeah, same, I don't know if yeah. I was watching ECW every Tuesday or whatever. I think I was for a while. But, yeah, I tried. I tried to keep up with it. Like, I just wanted to support it. Sometimes I just turned it on the TV, even if I was going to do other things. I wanted right. them to get the rating, even though I didn't understand <laughs> how Nielsen ratings actually worked at the time. But, like, I just made... it. it, it it's something that I can see the value of ECW, but it didn't quite work out. But you have those weird little moments when they actually did try to make it extreme to some degree. Obviously, they were never going to uh, recapture what was happening with ECW in the 90s. But there were moments like this with Big Show and Ric Flair. Like You should not get an extreme rules match between these two. And especially this is Big Show where they're still trying to make him a giant brute that is unstoppable. And you have 57 year old Ric Flair, who is the dirtiest player in the game, finding every, like he's just getting his ass kicked before he's like, I'm just going to kick big show in the balls five times. It was uh, a very like quick, like if you took the three months of AJ Styles and Nakamura, Ric Flair did it in like three minutes yeah. in that match. And I don't know what else you would, <laughs> what else you want. That's the best way to handle that. Yeah, no, it just makes sense. And you know, he got the advantage and like at that point they they have the tax down. And I think, I think Ric Flair hits him with the chair, and like as soon as Big Show hits the tax, it's like uh, adrenaline rush. Like he just shoots up, beats the living hell out of Ric Flair. At that time, he's not just. I think he's still doing the choke slam, but one of his things is like ragdolling people. He puts them in like the full, like the half Nelson, and then just like swings them around, and then eventually chucks them across the ring. That's right. Big Show's thing at the time. Yeah, and so he chucks Ric Flair into the tax, which is way worse than just falling straight down on the tax because you're just sliding <sighs> yeah. into it. Skidding and across. This is fifty-seven-year-old Ric Flair. Like he should not be able to do. He should not be in matches like this. He should not be able to have a match that tells the type of story that it did. Like I was engrossed in it. It's like we. It keeps going back to like how you know I try to appreciate things like Triple H and Batista fighting at fifty, but like Ric Flair got so much flack. Even at like two thousand and one, was getting flack at different times. He got into the ring. We're talking two thousand seven. He's fifty-seven years old. And he could till, still tell a story, and it's just amazing to me uh, going back and looking at it because I do remember people just giving him so much shit, and watching that it, was a damn good time. It's honestly like my, and maybe it's just because I want to grow up. It's my favorite era of Ric Flair, and I've gone back and watched a shitload of Ric Flair's career. The the that like later run, like the the old Yeller run, oh, like yeah. that era of Ric Flair was amazing. Like like, and there hasn't been anything really close to it since. You know? Yeah, I, and, I I love it. And watching that match, I it was one that yeah, I did not see 
uh, back when it first happened. Uh, but jumping on the network to see that go down, I was like, man, no, that's a good time. And it just kind of sent me down like a rabbit hole. Of like, what's these other matches that I've just kind of missed in that time frame? And really, I you know, I was kind of you know missed a lot of matches between '09 and 2016. So there was yeah. a lot of years to find what's Same. the what's yeah. the best thing happening right there. And I remember uh, Wade. Uh, not to you know take up too much time going into my second place of greatest things I've, or best wrestling I've watched since last time we talked. But Wade's last thing when he talked to us was uh, about what's Seth Rollins' best match. And Wade went with the triple threat between Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Royal Rumble 2015. Mm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need to see that. And so I did. I went and watched that today. And, man, it was good. My, my few takeaways is uh, Brock Lesnar was over like a motherfucker. Uh, he was over through the Brock Lesnar Dean Ambrose match that is so panned, and I don't. The fans didn't seem to have a bad time when the match was happening. It was an in post situation where people started to critique that, and I think, you know, not to jump into a huge uh, hot take, but it's like, I think Brock Lesnar without the you know Dean Ambrose talking about how Brock Lesnar wouldn't work with him to figure things out and that going through the dirt sheets. I don't think the Brock Lesnar backlash that we are currently in right now would have happened. I think that we maybe it would have uh, still been there to a some level just because he is a champion yeah. showing up four times a year or whatever it is. But at that point, he was still showing up, maybe less. It was uh, I had looked; he had wrestled three matches in an eight-month span at that point, and like literally, people were still cheering. They loved the destruction that Brock Lesnar brought. Yeah, it's <clears throat> that the that really awkward interview that that I think even this week Stone Cold said like that's went into this interview and it ended up being the most awkward thing ever and he's just been carrying the weight of it since then and like it is it's just this weird piece of footage and that exists of of Dean Ambrose and or John Moxley Dean Ambrose at the time and Stone Cold having this conversation just like. I think you're right. I think it is very um, heavy in in determining how people talk and feel about Brock Lesnar. And uh, that's, I think, where that starts of the, like, Brock doesn't give a shit kind of attitude. Yeah, I mean, it, I, and I, I haven't fully gone through, and it's hard to talk about since I did jump back in and was watching Weekly uh, in late 2016. So there's a lot of stuff I missed and it's hard for me to get the full grasp, but man, it's crazy to go back and just see the level of pop he got. And also just to see how good that match was. Uh, also watching it, another hot take. I'm just going to go. That match got me so full of hot takes. John Cena may actually be the goat. That's what I'm taking away from that match. Cause it's so amazing how often you jump into a John Cena match and he comes out and he has this little towel and you hear John Cena sucks, John Cena sucks, and they are booing the crap out of him. And by the time he lifts the two goons, uh, Mercury and whoever else was part of that uh, corporate squad at the time, when he lifts them on his shoulders to do a double uh, attitude adjustment... Fans are going nuts cheering for the man. He was so, and then they like stop once they once it happens and they figure it out. They're like, wait, boo! Actually, I meant boo to this man. <laughs> and that happens so often in John Cena's big matches. And when you see something like that, where okay, we can have the argument. You're not the greatest if you're not getting like a Hulk Hogan pop, a Stone Cold pop, and right. you can just keep going down the list. But man, for you to get that level of reaction when the fans went in 
planning to hate you and they still couldn't follow like, through you, the entire you, match. You tricked them. You got them. Like that, that is a talent that John Cena uniformly has. And we've seen Roman Reigns put in the exact same position and he was never able to pull it off. And there's so much other arguments that we can go back and forth about with like Roman Reigns. But that's the number one thing that also made that uh, promo they end up having so great was because there was an element of reality to it. John Cena was right. Like you're supposed to be me. And you haven't done it as much mm-hmm. as fans want to say John Cena isn't good. John I Cena pulled something promo. off. That's so good. John Cena pulled something off that nobody else has done in the history of wrestling. And the fact that he was on top that long in an industry that you can blame whoever you want for WWE kind of fading out of like the mainstream. Mm-hmm. But the fact that John Cena was able to stay on top during that time frame and make like it's become a more profitable company than it's ever been. That's thanks to John Cena and thanks to what he can do in matches yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely. Um, performers who were dealt like a shittier hand than John Cena, who made less of it than John Cena. So, That's true. I mean, it, back all right in the day when I was still a, a full on mark and I was like 16, 17, I was like, fuck John Cena. He's ruining wrestling. I don't want to watch this shit anymore. I'm done. I hate it. And then I go back. I felt the same way about The Miz, too. I mean, <clears throat> and, I, and I've got a totally different opinion on him. I know that that's, I'm not saying that they both just launched up the exact same way, but. Over time, I think as a wrestling fan, it's good to reflect and look back and, and realize, like, okay, maybe I wasn't totally right about everything when I was 17 years old. Yeah, that's easy to say. Uh, for me, it's, like, definitely, I was wrong about a shit ton of things. So oh, yeah. Very easy for me to agree with that statement. But, like, but like things within the wrestling world, you know, things that are important. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the only things. Uh, the only yeah, things that are important. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't have anything else really to add to that part. Although you know, at the time, I don't think I ever really hated John Cena. I always kind of looked at it through like, oh, this is kind of neat. Like it's something we haven't seen before. And obviously, at that time frame when he was over, like that, it it wasn't like it was in the twenty tens where he is like hated by such a large swath of the audience. Like it was a minority that was very loud in the the late you know. Uh, Fuck, I forgot what it's called in the the you know ruthless, r- ruthless aggression era. No, no, I was, I was trying to figure out the technical term for like the the two thousands. Uh, it's called the aughts. That's what it's called. Oh, uh, it's such a stupid name that I forgot what it was. Uh, but like in that time frame, John Cena is like actually liked by a large swath of the audience. It's not just the uh, young fans. Uh, they're there he is a face at that moment but you can start to see kind of the change within WWE where it's it's like oh why is there a certain section of the audience that's constantly booing this man you know uh and to just see him kind of go and have to like transform through that and you know we the same ways you can complain about Vince McMahon you have to take that into consideration with John Cena he's not given very lot he's told he has to do this there is no heel turn you can't find a different way to get over and for John Cena to just do it through sheer determination and great mic work uh you know is is amazing people didn't think he was a very good in-ring performer he found a way to make that work anyways and that's the whole John Cena thing I'm glad I made I alienated our entire audience and we have nobody left listening to this podcast how um how do we get here where are we what are we doing? Uh, we just started talking about things we liked in wrestling, <laughs> and I went to that match uh, from Royal Rumble 2015, but now we're actually going to get back to the more modern age and start talking about different stuff going on. Uh, one of the things, uh, I thought, coin flip, you want to do Lars Sullivan or you want to talk about Super Showdown? Which one's more of a train wreck? Uh, oh, Jesus. 
Um, probably a super showdown. All right, let's start with that. Train wreck. So that one was uh, very interesting for me because I just, I, I maybe paid more attention than I did. I don't know if I told you the story of watching uh, Crown Jewel, but I was playing a video game with it on a laptop, and there were just moments where I had to stop and like watch. Uh, I wish I would have done that with Super Showdown because I was fully watching and <laughs> nothing good happened. Yep. And I'm not a I, people who listen to this podcast. No, I'm not one of those super WWE haters. I'm actually what a lot of people would call a WWE apologist. And watching that pay per view was awful. There was very few good things to try to take away from what was happening. Yeah. Ethan, give me your assessment of Super Showdown. Um, honestly, I've blacked most of it out of my brain. <laughs> um, I think that the two things that stood out to me the most, like we were talking before, this is, uh, I believe his name is Mansoor, the the gentleman who won the Battle Royale, who um, I, I, I I don't think WWE is going to do anything with him. I think it's just like, a, it's like a, almost like a propaganda piece. But the crowd reaction was legit, so I don't know. I guess that's wrestling. And then uh, <laughs> he gave a decent promo at the end, although it was all like nationalist based. So it's like yeah. if you just assume he's just talking about his homeland, you're like, that's neat. Wait, his homeland did what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, and and that's exactly what how how I felt was like watching win, and it was a genuine reaction. The people in the stands are losing their shit. And I'm like, oh man, this is so fucking good. And then I was like. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like, like they were like, we love him because he, he's our guy. He's our hometown hero. It's like, yeah, but your hometown is uh, like or the home country, I guess, is a, a fucking brutal nightmare. So, and you got to look ugh. at it in uh, so there's just so much political that you can't really ignore. Yeah. And when you're you're thinking about that, it's like, all right. So when he's talking, he's talking to the people of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the country. It's not necessarily the kingdom. And then, you know, obviously there's various levels of whether it's Islamophobia or just, you know, people have a hard time looking at the Middle East and like actually figuring out how they feel about it without looking at it through whatever political lens they're forced to look at. But so it's like, okay, this is a group of people that they live in a country where, you know, a lot of them do, you know, believe in a lot of the more extreme elements of whether it's Sharia law or whatever else. It's so hard to figure out exactly, you know, who you're cheering for. Are they opposed to the government that's doing these terrible things? And because you have, you have all fucking classes there, I think, you know, like obviously you're, you're, you've got your, your, your royal family in like the front row and all that and their bodyguards. But then it's like the dudes up in the cheap seats probably are legit wrestling fans who love wrestling. And you're like, okay, well you definitely want those people to be happy. But at the same time, yeah, you're right. There's such an umbrella of like, and it's so different than other things. Like there are these like there's a there's there's a there's levels to this of like your moral high ground. Like um like going to Chick-fil-A every now and then, even though that they are they hate the gays and they're a fucking super Christian organization, is a little different than going to Saudi Arabia. Like I can shop on Amazon, like, and I know that morally you, know. you might be supporting a very terrible organization, but right. like exactly, you're, you're left in an awkward position, but you're not uh, showcasing it. Although I do uh, prop I mean, up Amazon way too often. I'm just always <laughs> telling people how great uh, Amazon Prime is. No, you are exactly <laughs> like the perfect like when the, when when they have this mindset of a business model, 
you're who they're thinking of. Probably. And and, I did, and there's always a door, a box at the door, and all the time. And and they're and that's a good feeling. Every day <laughs> is Christmas, and they're nailing it, even though they are. You know, kind of psychopaths, but like, it's different when you go to Saudi Arabia, it's a lot more apparent. It's on the surface. It's still like, like the, this is one of those things where it's just like, yeah, just cause like some time is like passed since the last horrible fucking thing <laughs> that your, your fucking leader did. It's like this, that doesn't make it cool. You know, like this is still not good. And this is uh what, what it's like a 10 year deal, right? We're in year two. Yeah, it's uh Jesus. This is ugh. it's gonna be a while and there's gonna be a lot of uh Fuck. these ugh. feelings you have. But you know, and then on, on the other end of the spectrum, I always wonder, you know, we, we, we talk about it all the time with like if you don't like the product, don't watch it. That's the same thing with this. If you don't want to support this, don't watch it. But it's very hard for wrestling fans to be like, No, this is part of the continuity of the story. Like we can't miss a pay per view that's going on that has, you know, potential title changes, even though we know if this is happening, but, there's gonna be very few title changes. But that's the thing is WWE almost doesn't treat it that way. They almost treat it as a like they don't give a shit if American audiences tune in, I'm pretty sure. Like, I think this is something where they're receiving so much money from it. it, it, it and, and they get the criticism of it being like a glorified, like house show. Yeah. That's probably intentional. Like they, there's a reason that these matches aren't like, <laughs> then again, the, the moniker of it will, uh, what was it? It will be, uh, as big, if not bigger than WrestleMania, they, they found a bunch. It oh was like God. on on par with WrestleMania, the it, equivalent of WrestleMania, if not better than. <laughs> like motherfucker, are you seriously downplaying your own product? And like that's something they're that, not like, downplaying their own product. Exa- they were reading a script, they're, they're reading a line that was exactly, <laughs> and that's just like, oh my god, Ugh, it's so gross. They might as well have had somebody winking at the camera. Like they should have just panned to Tom Phillips and him just being like. Equal to or greater than WrestleMania, like they might as well have just yeah. done that because, like they, they it clearly they didn't so, have the heart into it, but they're like we have to keep reading it. It's, We've it's, been paid. To. It's just so like flat and like there's no tact <laughs> to it. You're just like, uh, like you literally like like does does Greg Hamilton have a fucking gun to his head? Like this. yes, <laughs> yes he does. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one hostage in WWE, it's 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 the it's man e- that is Greg Hamilton. There is either a gun to his head or a bone saw, but either way, he's being pressured into this right it's, now. He's he's got like a like in uh, the Kingsman. He's got one of those chip implants. Like we can just blow your head up, whatever. <laughs> Do it. Do it. Say it. God damn it. So if you're gonna go down the list, uh, obviously, I mean, I think we know the match we have to talk about, which is Goldberg Undertaker. I was getting there. And that's a tough one for me because Is it? I yes, because he got a concussion in a match. They're also fifty. We didn't have high expectations, and the like wrestling fans for some reason when they don't have high expectations, that means they should like lay on more. When it should be the opposite. Like you have an attraction, you know why it's happening. Clearly, it matters to somebody because the Saudi government paid a lot of money to get Goldberg and Undertaker to be there. And if that's happening, it's like, well, great on a curve a little bit. Instead, fans are like ready to shit on it like they're Matt Riddle trying to get over. And like, so they're going to be extra shitty when bad things happen. Now, in this case, like this isn't even what I think people imagine. Like most people, if you asked wrestling fans, oh, is this going to be a good match? No, hell no. no. It's not going to be a good match. But I don't even think most people thought Goldberg would get his bell rung that early. He would nearly 
Undertaker would nearly break his neck in a tombstone. Goldberg would nearly break Undertaker's neck in a botched jackhammer. Picture, picture perfect brain buster. Yeah. That, <laughs> if you're expecting it. So I, I think when you God, when you look no. at it that way, it's like, okay, fans like are were so it's like they were so glad that this went wrong. It's like, oh, you're so glad that a 50-year-old man got a concussion. No. And no, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying fans did when they reacted to it. Matt Riddle did when he reacted. It's maybe the only thing I'm mad at Matt Riddle for right now. Like, otherwise, I love what he's doing in NXT. I don't know, man. He, took, he saw a window and he and he went for it. I, I get it. I'm okay like, with, like, the when he made fun of the heel hook. Because that was a, I was thinking yeah. the same thing when it happened. That was uh, Yeah, I was... It was, it was very, the whole match was really uncomfortable. <laughs> it's like, but this thing is like, I can handle a match that like, if you fast forward it, it looks like it would sync up to like the Benny Hill music. This syncs up to like the sound of silence. Like it's just <laughs> this just depressing bleak, like, Oh God. And like Taker's face at the end of it is just so accurate. Just, just tells the whole story. Just like, what well, the fuck were, am I doing? This so place? that reminds me of the other thing they're talking about like, Oh, what's he doing in this place? He's also thinking, it's a hundred fucking degrees yeah. out. They yeah. are dying. They're fifty year old men that are basically dying in that ring, and we're like questioning what's happening. They're, like you talked about, you know, not having the kind of matches that you would want. Like it's kind of dialed back, like it's a house show. But I don't even know if that's happening. It's a hundred degrees. They're out there in like it's not necessarily yeah. in the sun, but even in the shade in Saudi Arabia at that time, it was a hundred degrees plus. Yeah, like. No, it, it, there's no way around it. Like that, there's no setup to this. I don't know why you would think that it could be good. Is the thing is like going into it, like you said, like yeah, we're, wrestling fans are like, okay, it's probably not gonna be good. You're not expecting a massive shit show, but also like again, when you're looking at all the elements of like Undertaker, who who's who's just he's under his last several matches. It's just like all right, man. Like this is getting at times difficult to watch, but he knows how to still at least go through a match. Then you have Goldberg, who's wrestled three matches in the last decade. And what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> like Not, I mean, Nothing I mean, too good. But again, and it was like, it was somehow worse. And a lot of it is just that that botched shoulder spot into the post. Yeah. And it's just like, at that point, it's like, hit a tombstone and just end the fucking match. <laughs> like, God well, damn. Well, no, that's the problem is they tried and the tombstone didn't go well. Did he drop uh, him so hard on his fucking head that he kicked out instinctively? Yeah, maybe. Like, uh, so, God But there was also it. the moment where Goldberg tries to do the, they do that spot they always do where it's like Goldberg goes for a tombstone, which makes no sense because he's never tried a tombstone, but Undertaker reverses it. And that's just a classic Undertaker spot. And so they do that and Undertaker literally, like neither one can literally do the flip. Like yeah. they both fail. Oh, yeah. And you just see something like that, and you're like, yeah, this should have never happened. But at the same time, fan, fans were very upset at the whole, you know, pay-per-view. And I think that one's weird because it was the main event. You know, it's like, not only was this a bad idea to begin with, you put it in the spot where it's going to leave a bad taste in people's mouth if if what people assume is going to happen happens, and if the extra bit of clusterfuck that showed up oh, happens. And I, I think there's a lot of fucking brain damage in that match. But if you look at the whole pay-per-view, then you start to judge like, all right, we're judging it as American wrestling fans watching, but the crowd popped. The crowd was not, they weren't even upset at the Goldberg Undertaker match. They all have fucking Kingsman chip implants in their head. Of course they pop. I don't think they're that, all going to be murdered. If they I, don't, I don't think that's what happened. That. And this I one wasn't, know. this one wasn't the like, uh, you know, different uh, Saudi, you know, 
freaking officials in the front row. Right. This one was a full on. This is wrestling fans. Like there, are, there are some wrestling fans who who you see like at the end of the match, they're just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, and I was like, okay, that guy's a real wrestling fan. I know. I think that a lot of them are real wrestling fans. They're, yeah. they're probably closer to Marks than Smarks, but this one wasn't full of like people who weren't there to watch wrestling. They were there on you know behalf of the state. That's what yeah. we saw at the Crown Jewel pay per view. This one they didn't have that. They didn't have the four rows of recliners and then people right. blocking the view of everybody else as they were confused that the, oh the the wrestling shows this direction. Like they they didn't have that at this show. And you know they you got to think with wrestling before we got to the social media age where we get to talk about it on Twitter and on Reddit and whatever else, like you're there to please the crowd in front of you. And if we're going to give WWE so much shit that they go into smarky places like Brooklyn and don't know how to sell a show to them, then we also have to give WWE credit when they go into a place like Saudi Arabia and give them the show they want. Like they put on the show that got those people over. That's their job. I don't know what you're smiling about. I was I was being as smart as I could be there. You, you you somehow found a way to be like a WWE slash Saudi Arabian apologist in the same sentence. That's not and, what I was doing. I, no, I'm beautifully impressed. I'm. I'm That's I'm, not what I'm, I was doing. I'm, even I'm, yeah, it's. I was I was mostly I was getting thing. in my best way to like bring up. You know, no, no, I I do think we brought <laughs> we have talked about it on this podcast about the the poor understanding of the audience okay, when the, they go so into pay-per-views that are thing, in these smart areas. This part this part I agree with you and it's a point that I've I I think I've always agreed with you on but then you tied it into like the Saudi Arabia deal which has a whole other Is the logic not there? dark cloud over it. Is the it. logic not there? I don't have to answer that question. You I'm know an, it's I'm there. an adult. I can you know I can right. decline to answer that question. You know I'm right, Ethan. So when I God, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So I, I have to somewhat look at it that way. Now, on the whole, I don't know what they accomplish. I don't know what they push forward. If you are, that, that is the thing. They can't pretend it is just about one audience. It is about the audience worldwide, uh, the audience in America that watches most of their shows, that shows up for most of their shows. And the stories they told and the stuff they had, it was very... I wouldn't even say house show us. They built a lot of the stuff up like a true pay-per-view, and then, like, or they build it up like WrestleMania. They delivered it like it's stomping grounds. Segway to all the things <laughs> we're going to talk about stomping grounds. They, there was just stuff, you know, I wanted to see Dolph Ziggler versus Kofi Kingston. I don't want to see Dolph Ziggler versus Co- Kofi Kingston round two at stomping grounds. They wasted an opportunity with whatever finish they did. Actually, I don't even know what happened at the end of the match. I was not paying attention. I know it was something that Kofi needed help from New Day and Dolph's trying I, to say that he should have won the match. I watched it and I forgot it. Yeah, and, but, no you're, but you're right. What and, and that's the thing is like for those shows, maybe they that is how they build it is is it is just like these weird matches that you're not expecting to see that don't really fit the storyline. And it is a one off show because it's a it's an audience that if you build a show for them, perform for them, they're going to love it. Everything's going to be great. And you come back to your normal audience and kind of pick up where you yeah. left off. You just pretend it didn't happen. Right. Rather than like devoting. And it, it's such it seems like a very in between approach is kind of how they've done it, which makes sense because they want American yeah. viewers to watch. But uh yeah, I mean if there's one way to enjoy those shows, maybe that's the way to do it. They treated it like it was just a raw. You know, it was like everything they've done in the the episodes of Raw and SmackDown since then, at least I think I just kind of jumped in this week to see what was going down. Uh but it just seems like the way they talked about Super Showdown was like this person screwed me over last Monday. Like I'm coming for retribution. Uh that's kind of what was happening. 
and it makes sense. Uh, I think my takeaway from uh, Super Showdown, you know, that I, nothing happened that I find memorable other than the bad things that happened. So in that case, in the the spirit of the the, the new spirit of the Making Mark Wrestling Show, we're gonna avoid the negativity as much as possible, unless we oh, have neat. some sharp critique on it, which. Uh, let's be honest, we don't. We've had too much alcohol to make that happen. So we're going to make the next step, and we're just going to talk about some of the wrestling stuff, and then we're going to jump into a preview of Stomping Grounds. Uh, really, the only wrestling story I have, there's a couple things where we can talk about different podcasts, people talking different stuff. The only real news, Lars Sullivan uh, has an injury right now. Did you did you look to see what the injury was? Uh, uh, I can find it. Vamp. Vamp. You're yelling vamp? Yeah, when I say vamp, you vamp. Oh, that... Don't yell that in the microphone. When so I the point that, is, <laughs> uh, he's out move, six to nine months, I believe, is the timetable. So we will we will not see him again uh, 2019. Uh, it's interesting because on one hand, he's at the very tippy top of his push. Yeah. It's uh, uh, six to eight. He better be better if it was six to nine. Am I right? Huh? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Knee injury. See, oh, I think okay. it's the same thing he's been fucking dealing with. So he was at the top of his kind of push there. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you made this argument before we got onto the pod. Uh, maybe it's just better because we know all the baggage that comes yeah. with Lars Sullivan. And honestly, even if he comes back, him going away for a while and coming back is better than him remaining in the because that 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 uh, that heat is not going to be as strong against him when he comes back. But his his positive heat, his his, his character heat, he can build up quickly. So. Honestly, this could be one of those, like, this happens all the time in wrestling where an injury is like a blessing in disguise. Becky Lynch is one of the best examples of that. This might be the best thing for his career, honestly, is being away for like eight months. I, I think when he comes back, there are going to be, there's going to be a much smaller crowd that is still really sticking to this, like, fuck Lars Sullivan because he's a shitty person. Yeah. Unless... It gets blown up on Twitter and social media again. So I think but, that's fair, but I think this one has the chance to be a slightly different. I you're probably right. I'm, I'm going to go with a theory that is just ignoring I, I what we know hear, about yeah. humanity. No, I want to uh, hear. So it. I I think that the way that it happened, particularly with this type of not just there's misogyny, racism, just start going down the list. The, yeah, it's the, like alt right bingo. It it, it was pretty freaking bad and the way that it was handled by wwe upset those the the people who would definitely keep the, the ones you're talking about that will be mad at him in six or in eight months when he comes back those people were that much more upset because it's not just about what Lars sullivan did it's about the way wwe decided yes. to handle it yeah and the way they you know handled it giving him that push they were basically just sitting there waiting him out Part of it might have been an anxiety attack when he's going on Raw. We don't know how much the anxiety came from him knowing uh, people found out he's a shit poster uh, on some bodybuilder website. Uh, I, God, that's a low point. <laughs> I, I think that when you see the way WWE wanted to do it, they're like, oh, they'll forget. We'll wait it out a little bit. And then they bring him out and they didn't forget. And so now he had some level of push. The, the level of booing he had should have told Vince McMahon to push him straight to the top, and he's left beating up Lucha House Party for three months. That yeah. That's clear that when you talk about Vince McMahon being like tone deaf, he's clearly not tone deaf there. He knows what's going on. He knows. when we, If we're going to talk about X-Pac Heat, we're not talking about it with Baron Corbin. We're talking about it with Lars Sullivan, who's definitely yes. getting a type of booing that's not a positive for his career. Yeah. 
and they wait. They tried to wait it out. It didn't quite work. Now he's injured, and maybe in six months, maybe it will be something a little bit different. But I think that there are certain fans that really now they're no longer just mad at Lars Sullivan. They're mad at WWE, and that's something that those fans don't give up on. Like they yeah. might give up on a shitty person that looked down the line. All right, we could have forget. But if you were gonna do it, Lars Sullivan, you're gonna have the like find a way to get past this. You don't do the apology later once it got brought up like a third time. Right. You would have had the apology immediately when it first broke. And the fact that that never happened means there's going to be a certain level of people that will never let it go. And they're no longer like they're attacking Lars Sullivan, but that's to get at WWE for their lack of morals and handling this situation. It's actually it's something that uh, for years uh, we've been seeing in the NFL. Like you see it a lot more in the NFL where you, you it's like, OK, well, this guy's a, a multimillionaire. Let's find him a hundred thousand dollars. That'll really show him, and then you know have him sit out a game. Yeah. Even though he like almost murdered his girlfriend. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like the shit that that is one of the that's one of the biggest I think uh, complaints about the NFL is is that kind of. Uh, yeah, there's we're bigger world. than yeah. this. We can wait. Yeah. It, we can wait out the storm. Exactly, and WWE hasn't had to do that as often. Uh, it doesn't. It the does, the storms only start for them when a advertiser figures it out and it, it, starts to attack and yes, them. Yes, and and they're actually very quick to respond and be like, "Oh, okay, well, well let's uh, uh, like who who's a reason? Like Rich Swan is a, is a semi recent example of that. Whereas like, also they're like, "Well, you're not really making us any money, you know? Yeah. Like we're gonna fucking ditch you." And and there's gonna be people like that and I think that's how WWE typically has handled it is like well yeah. fuck him he's and gone it, it's slightly different because it's not a person being involved but when they had the yeah. fabulous Moolah like having yeah. that as kind of her legacy yeah. and they were turning that into a match and was it Snickers was it yeah. Mars that pulled out yeah and that's that's that is kind of like the beautiful loophole of, of WWE is WWE doesn't have to listen to you they don't care but they have to listen to their sponsors so it's not like a complaint to WWE you com- you complain to Mars and and they you know get fifty thousand complaints. They're like, what the fuck are you guys doing yeah. over there? We gave you like all these millions of dollars, and you're fucking around with it with some fucking racist, misogynist piece of shit. And like that's how it's dealt with, which is oh, <laughs> it could be worse, you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah. So I I don't know, but I, I I think that it will be that way with Lars that he's going to get that break and it's and and WWE is going to do some more nefarious shit in the long run that is going to take away from it. It's the same thing with, with shit like, uh, like your like current Trump administration. It's just like, well, (laughs) if I do something shittier next week than I did this week, then people are going to forget about that one thing. And you just double down and double down and keep going. All right. Before we get too far into uh, no, politics, no, no, no. I, I'm not trying to turn this into a political. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I, I'm just that, saying. Can you think of a better example? It's, it's of solid. someone doubling down on being a piece of shit. It's solid. Uh, I will say that uh, we have definitely had our quota for Laura Sullivan conversation. I think we we can't talk about him again for another six to eight months. So we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna talk about Dylan Miley instead. The man. Are we? Uh, we're, no. we're going to talk no. about stomping grounds. We're going to have, Ugh. we're going to jump into that for as long. This will be, if you thought our ramblings for the last like 40 minutes was ridiculous, considering we never got into the show that we were going to preview. Uh, guess what? It'll be more ridiculous now that we actually get into stomping grounds. Cause, uh, admittedly, both of us have been uh, very lax on our WWE watching in the last few weeks. So uh, I watched the last Raw on SmackDown. I watched the go-home shows going to Stomping Ground. Uh, Ethan has not. 
we're still going to pretend we're authority figures and talk about the matches on the card. And we're going to start at the top. Obviously, uh, Universal Championship. This one's important. we got Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Even more important, Brock Lesnar is still uh, sort of in the picture. The basic storyline going on right now is that Baron Corbin is uh, allowed to have a special guest referee for this match. Every guest referee he's tried to employ, Seth Rollins is beaten down with a steel chair. Uh, even beat down Eric Young, who didn't say he would be the referee, just got asked by Baron Corbin and walked away. And Seth's like, were you thinking about it? And Eric Young's like, uh, no, n- no, I promise no. Seth's like, cool, man. Beats him down with a steel chair. That's such like a WWE 2K casting decision. Totally. Like, like, oh, well, who's going to who's gonna thwart you in your title defense? Eric Young. You're like, it might have been weird. Not, not to, no disrespect to Eric Young, but it's just like a, it's like they literally just plucked somebody random. So they had a weird segment that I know certain fans will look at it one way because there has been this kind of uh, very groupthink idea on EC3 that he's being excessively buried. And so they pull out EC3. But it, to me, it was one of the best segments they've done in a long time, which was Baron Corbin picks EC3. He comes out and Seth Rollins immediately beats the living hell out of him. Then the New Day comes down and they try to set up a match between the New Day and then I think it's uh, Baron Corbin, KO, and Sami Zayn. And they pick up EC3 and they're like, oh, maybe if we had a referee to sanction this match and they use EC3's like lifeless corpse to like shake his head yes like it's weekend at Bernie's and you're shaking your head no I thought it was I'm not shaking my head great. no I'm just I'm just uh, it was a good time so. I, I thought it was hilarious now to me I think it was a good segment if you watch it and tell me it's a bad segment I don't know how you could it think that unless you're an like EC3 mark yeah. because yeah there was a lot of people saying EC3's being buried they've built up all these things like you ever think maybe WWE's building this up for that's his next like push when he gets it is that he's the guy being buried and you guys are all behind him and that's gonna that's gonna help out that's gonna make up for the yeah. weird matches he had with Dean Ambrose on his way out yeah like it just seems like that's a smart way to do it but you know what never mind WWE never knows what they're doing fine cool the the point being that segment I thought was good I liked it and. The, the way they've kind of built up Baron Corbin, I know there's this kind of like thought by a lot of fans where it's just not good. Baron Corbin shouldn't be in that spot, yada, yada, yada. The more I watch, the more I think it's like, this is good television. This is the type of television that I always tell people with WWE. Yeah. If you go back on the network and you watch five months ago and you forget what people are saying on the internet currently, it's like, wait, was this good television? Oh my God, it was. I think that's happening with Baron Corbin. Like yeah. when you're watching it through the prism of, oh, WWE's stupid for pushing a guy we don't like, or Baron Corbin is nailing it as a heel right now, and he's no, the perfect foil for is. a Seth Rollins. And, and he's the perfect foil for every smart, too. It's like That's like the thing is is that I do love, is he's that one person that I will not consider it go away. And you hear it on any podcast or other wrestling like uh, friends that we have. It's the people who say the Baron Corbin is go away heat. It's like, no, you're getting worked, and you can't admit that you're getting fucking worked. Watching wrestling for like twenty years, I I can admit when I'm getting worked, and when I do, I love it. it. Makes me feel alive. So admit when you're getting worked, Smarks. I mean, 
the, the stuff that he's doing right now, and particularly with Brock Lesnar, where you know that is a real, like, I don't know if it's necessarily go-away heat, but there's clearly, they're not booing a Brock Lesnar heel. No, no. They're booing that, the yeah. idea that he's going to be champion again when he's yeah. working so many days. And I think that's definitely there. And to use Baron Corbin as sort of the foil in between that, I think is genius. Uh, we'll just start right now. What I think would happen, what I want to have happen, is I want Brock Lesnar to be the special guest referee. Because Paul Heyman sitting ringside with the money in the bank, he could at any point make Baron Corbin win. Hell, he could make Seth Rollins win at the right time for him to then F5 him to then win the title or, from him in a, a match right afterwards. Or he, he just kills both of them and throws one on top of the other. Yeah. And then just starts the next match right away. Yeah, that, like, it, yeah There so. are so many opportunities with that. I did hear one, and I this one I can give a perfect shout-out to, and we're going to discuss it. Uh, it was Pro Wrestling Sheet on the podcast they do. Ryan Satin, his pick is Lacey Evans. Uh, on Raw on Monday, they had a moment where Seth Rollins is walking to the ring with the steel chair, and Becky Lynch is walking past him, and they do their little thing, and now they've started to say, Becky Lynch, you know, and, uh, the girlfriend of Seth Rollins or however they say, I assume it's the misogynistic version, but it might be right. Seth Rollins, the, the boyfriend of Becky Lynch either way. <laughs> Which again, no matter how they're doing it, it's, it's misogynistic. It, well, it's yeah. not, it's not even whether it's misogynistic. It's that it's so, uh, canned and terrible. Like now that, now that it's happened, like before that, when they like, I was like, oh, it's adorable that they're together. The moment right. WWE.com like, yeah. like posted, I'm like, this is going to go bad quickly. Well, well no, but the reason I say that is, is that it's like the, the moment of being like, oh, you're just Becky Lynch's boyfriend. Your, your, your girlfriend is a bigger star than you. And it's just like, yeah. So fucking what if she is like, why is that? See, the, you're that saying the that I can't wait for the promo. That's literally like. Oh, I guess you're currying favors with the man. And like that will make me pop. I don't care who says it. It better be Baron Corbin, but I'm ready for it. Like that is going to be the best moment because it's so good. Like the way you said it, I could 90% WWE will do it the way you said and sucks. That's the worst version of it. Uh The best version is actually admitting like Becky Lynch is better. And like Seth, you keep trying. But it doesn't matter. Your girlfriend is the star of WWE and your second fiddle. When they start talking about Seth Rollins knocking on the door to, uh, you know, the only door you knocked on is the bedroom door. Once they cut that promo at Seth Rollins, I'm fucking in, man. I'm yeah. fucking in. But they won't. They, they will screw it up and it will definitely be <laughs> the kind of like midway through where they're still like clearly saying the universal title is more important. It's like, no, it's not. Whatever Becky Lynch title is, Becky Lynch could win the goddamn 24-7 title, and that would be the most important title in the WWE. Yep. So I, 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 watching that, I, I think if Brock Lesnar is the person, I'm okay with it. If it's Lacey Evans and that leads to some sort of mixed tag, this might be the first mixed tag that I'm actually looking forward to. And that's considering, I think, that the... who Which one? Uh... I think I was fine with Daniel Bryan and Bree versus Miz and Maurice. I was not okay with the John Cena one just because they they really did just bury Miz yeah. at that WrestleMania. It was the Maurice was, on top of that. Maurice, Maurice, it was like her return to the ring. I was yeah. like, yeah, well, no, I, I mean, but, but no, when you're talking mixed tag though, uh, I I I mean the the WrestleMania Kurt Angle Ronda Rousey versus the Levex. Yeah. Good shit. That one, all right, so that one I don't even count because it was like no, nobody knew what the expectations were, and they just knocked that thing out of the park. But mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't go into the but, match but thinking it would be good. You weren't thinking it was going to be the best match on yeah. the card. It just right. was. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of, like, going in wanting it, 
I do want that match. Like I'm I'm, I'm into that. Yeah. Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans versus Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch. Like this is great. And then when you get two people, Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans, two people that fans are not sure whether it's real heat or go away heat. Exactly. That's a that and, that and, is a brew that I that's want. That's what I like. Yeah, you're right. Because that's that's the thing is shit, moving into into the fall and having AEW, you know, on the on on the rise is like this is where WWE has to be WWE and it's like that was the part of of wrestling when I was a kid that always made me draw more to WWF was I really fucking hated every single heel that was in there and I wanted to see the heel lose and that is that's like that's where the money is that's that's the Floyd May Floyd Mayweather way you know is yeah. is it's not about creating a great hero that you want to see win it's about creating the best villain possible that you want to see toppled and that is that is <laughs> WWE to a T, and and the more they embrace that, the better that 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 they're you know uh, gonna probably start swinging or swaying. Yeah, is is gonna be if you have these people who you're like, oh well, I just want the, I want this guy off TV. I want to stab this guy in the parking lot. You're like, okay, well that's 1970s fucking yeah. heat right there, and 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 it's not go away heat. It's not change the channel heat, Baron Corbin, Lacey Evans. Like it's real fucking heat, and you're getting fucking worked. So I'm gonna hit you with a hypothetical. Take current Baron Corbin, and you put him in the Jinder Mahal role when he was WWE champion for way too long. What what's the outcome of that? Uh, do you, do you get the same thing that fan, a lot of fans would think, which is oh, it just ends with you wasted six months of a WWE champion, or does that? make for great television for six months. I, I I think it's somewhere in between because like with the Jinder Mahal, um, you know, saga, that whole run, the best part of it is the finish because he's a villain. But at the same time, that's one of your best crowd pops of the, of maybe the best of the year, your best fan reaction where it's like, finally just this like, Oh, this this fucking bad guy who I hate has finally lost his head. Like yeah. again, you're kind of getting worked. Didn't he but, lose but, in like Madison Square Garden though? No, it was in like uh, it was in England. It was. It but was but in, uh, was it was an actual SmackDown or I yeah. thought it was a no. It, okay. it, it was a SmackDown that took place uh, in the UK. See, I thought I thought it was a weird thing where it was like a Friday show that I missed because I don't I didn't watch that match and I it, feel like it, I've watched every SmackDown. No, it was. Um, I think when they and I think when they go to I want to say it was like Manchester. Yeah. And I think when they do those, they do record them evening time there. So I just so found out delay. before it happened. Okay. So that's probably why that that's might happen. But at the same time, well, I I didn't. And I watched it live and I was like, I was like, are they gonna do this? And like you see you see everything kind of lining up and you're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, this is happening. And it's like sometimes maybe not six months, but sometimes a long stretch of a heel you hate yeah. being on top is worth that moment of them getting toppled. So yeah. what you, what you asked me was, was Baron Corbin in that role versus Jinder Mahal? I think you would see a better outcome. I think you yeah. would see a better run, a more entertaining run. Yeah. And I think you would see a more satisfying, maybe not more satisfying because it would have been a more entertaining run. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it is the people were just really dumb with Jinder Mahal. So I, I do want to get on to some of the other matches on the card, but real quick talk about the Baron Corbin thing. I, I have gotten to a weird crossroads where I think a lot of the times where people are talking about character or they're talking about ring work. And I think with ring work, 
I really love so many things Baron Corbin does. Although yeah. he is limited, that he doesn't do a lot of things. And there are matches where I do wonder, it's like, okay, this wasn't good. Is it because Baron Corbin can't go? You know, like, is he part of that factor? And that worries me. And I don't really have an answer right now. This isn't yeah. me like coming to a Mia culpa and saying, sorry, I said Baron Corbin is really good in the ring or, you know, whatever. Sure. But like, I'm in a weird spot where I am wondering whether the smarts are kind of right because he's in a lot of high profile matches it, and but, part of it's the fans not agreeing with it. Like they're booing it, but that should help him as a classic heel and the matches end and they're a little underwhelming most of the time. Yeah. And I think that's uh, a lot of that depends on who you put him with too. Like he's, he's the guy who isn't going to be the one that adds a lot of variation in the match to make it feel a certain way. He's there to be Baron Corbin. And, and I mean, can you look at Baron Corbin and say he's any more limited than Hulk Hogan was in the eighties? I mean, as far it's as it's not limited, goes, but it's also different. Like if you're if you're telling that story that way, Baron Corbin falls back a lot on the like cheap heel tactics of just like clapping as a sarcastic thing and, you know, just kind of yelling at the fans in a in a weird way. And there are times where, yeah, obviously he's more athletic and there's a lot of stuff he can do, but. In fairness, Hulk Hogan, have you seen his uh, Japanese work? Yeah, no, I would say actually at the end of the day, the ring psychology there, while he might be a little bit more limited than Baron Corbin, knows how to tell the story better. I don't know necessarily whether Baron Corbin can tell that story. From that aspect, yeah. Okay, I I, I think I I don't, I wasn't really paying attention to what you were asking me. Um, I mean, I'm asking a lot of things, whatever you think about it. Or I heard it wrong. I'm thinking more just like a basic move set and being able to move. His work rate is obviously higher than a lot of people. No, but when you say, yeah, when, when, when you do bring that up, I do agree with you as far as, yeah, his, his in ring in match heel tactics are kind of one dimensional. Yeah. I, and I don't even, it wouldn't even just be that they're one dimensional. It's like, can you take it up to the next level? Can you be the guy that, okay, you're using the weird little clapping thing. You're yelling at whatever fan you find in the front row. I actually like those things, although they're the same every match. Right. It's can you turn that up? And when you're with Seth Rollins in the ring, can you put on a five-star match? And I look at his athleticism I'm like, well, he's got to be able to. But at this point, the match has been underwhelming consistently enough. I start to think maybe I'm wrong about thinking Baron Corbin is capable of those matches. I guess we'll find out at Stomping Ground. Oh, my God. You just nailed that promo. Well done, Ethan. Thanks. I got to uh, pee. Let's all right. Call so we, we we will do a timeout. There will not be an ad. I'm not even going to pretend to do that. Last time we pretended to do an ad, I spent 15 minutes before I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cut this. Uh, get the call map and the quit brush. So we will be back after a quick break. All right. Welcome back into this Making a Mark Wrestling Show episode previewing the Stomping Grounds pay-per-view. And real quick, to give the breakdown of Stomping Grounds as we get into the rest of this card, Ethan, go. The show will include matches that resulted from scripted storylines where wrestlers portrayed heroes, villains, or less distinguishable characters in scripted events that built tension and culminated in a wrestling match or series of matches. That is the most, like, dry fuck way to explain wrestling that that's on every wiki entry oh my for God. all the is pay-per-views it? except I've... for nxt i think nxt is up and down sometimes it's on there and sometimes it's not oh my god that is so funny anyway we that's can what i tell to people when they tell me wrestling's fake 
<laughs> just read off that cue card. <laughs> that 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 little uh, that little blurb there. Yeah, got it. Got to got to make sure people Let's... know. Got to give them the academic okay. uh, understanding of professional wrestling. I don't hate your logic. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to jump in. We had just talked about you know we Seth Rollins, Baron Corbin. For part of that, we talked about could Becky Lynch end up being. Uh, part of that match could Lacey Evans be the special guest referee, but just breaking it apart. Let's let's pretend none of that logic will ever come into play, and there's a good chance it won't. Uh, not not as a knock to WWE, might just be a better option to go with Brock Lesnar. Might be a better option to go with whoever else on the roster. I don't know what their plans are. This match can stand alone. It has stood alone. I think looking at the last Becky Lynch Lacey Evans match, uh, I was a little uh, disappointed because I liked the outcome of what they did. Uh, I thought with the the money in the bank having the cash in from Bailey, it ended well. Yeah. But I also one of the uh, points we talked about was what happens if you give Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans more time in the match, and now we get that second go around. So what are you expecting from watching Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans fighting at Stomping Grounds? Uh, I don't uh, honestly the way that this card is kind of looking, this could easily steal the show. I mean, not even steal. Like I think that it has some of the best. Uh, Maybe the best storyline going into it. Um, I'm I'm all about it. I like it. I'm 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 really uh, digging what they're putting together. And um, yeah, I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah, I, for me, I I mean, I guess we we talked about it with Baron Corbin uh, talking about whether Lacey Evans is that go away heat and you know what kind of heel is she? I thought she's done an amazing job and. It, Honestly, I think for Baron Corbin, I have to second guess myself whether it is go away heat, whatever it is. I think he's doing a great job as more of the classic heel. With Lacey Evans, if you bring that conversation in, I just have to uh, slap you with my fancy glove on and my uh, my fancy hat because she is nailing this. Whatever no, it is, even awesome. if you think this is a Vince McMahon concoction that like you know he's going too far, he needs her to hit you know. I was not happy when she added the Southern accent. I think she could have done without it doing that character. Uh, when when you think that maybe she would be more compelling as a, uh, she's a Marine who's a mom and da, 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 da. Also, that's not going to make me hate her the way fans no. are hating her right and, now. And that's something is all that is in the tank for an awesome face turn. Yeah. I, I think what she's been doing, I've been excited. Even the stomping grounds, which I think we hadn't talked about this yet, but can, I think. Can it be this year's Great Balls of Fire? I think it's pretty close. Because I don't know if you all remember, Great Balls of Fire was one of the best pay-per-views they put on that year. I also think that uh, the Stomping Grounds name, I don't think, is on the level of Great Balls of Fire, but the artwork is totally it's, it's Great Balls cool. of Fire. It's pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> no, but I would say Stomping Grounds. I don't want the I don't want the Stomping Grounds artwork. So oh. it's like inverse. Oh, no. So You th- like the artwork? I think it, No, I think it's terrible, but I, it's weird. I love it, but I think it's garbage. Um, it, it's just, it's so... I don't understand I will, it. It's I will like, say it's well well made. It doesn't look like somebody put like Great Balls of Fire was like. Oh, I just what's the first name it, you brought? I just up. noticed that it's a little shoe. Yeah, All it's right. a boot with the ridges. And, all right, that's fucking lame. But but the, whoever made it put time to make it the perfect version oh, of God. that like gimmick, you know. But it's a dumb fucking gimmick. It, if yeah. you just called it Stomping Grounds and you didn't have the boot involved in the artwork, I'd be like, that's a decent name for a pay-per-view. Especially, you know what would be cool? Is if they went and did a pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden called Stomping Grounds. Yeah. I, I, Instead like, of the, the Tacoma Dome. I'm okay with that, too. I don't re- I don't fine. really care. It's just like the name is fine, but then the like, 
you know, they did a promo where everybody else, it's like, this wouldn't work. Lacey Evans does the, you know, boots were made for walking promo. And then they have one that's like a back and forth between uh, Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch. So is the whole show just like shoe themed? It, it's like walking over you. There should be a couple Stone Cold references. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But I, I think in general, those promos, like watch them, listen to them. Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans. Obviously, Becky has just no, been they're, they're on great. a roll. They're, they're a great pair. But Lacey Evans has been nailing it. I think the way that they've been cutting it, they even tried to get a little realistic. I mean, they cut it off. So basically, Becky Lynch comes out of the ring on, the, on Monday on the go-home show overall. And when Lacey Evans comes out, Becky Lynch mentions the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, you have been through a lot. Like, your backstory is important. They mention the backstory, but, like, Lacey Evans still finds a way to, like, twist it back into her saying, like, terrible things. And Sorry, I got a bug going after me over here. No, there, there is definitely a bug in this room I, that I, I haven't I been a, able to he's, kill. He's fucking shooting on me. I, I will definitely take it out. Uh, that that will be a bug that does like, not make yeah. it onto the, the next show. Uh, you are going to have to get a job at AEW, sir. Uh, that bug is gone. So, no, uh, so I've talked a long time about this without saying anything other than I think what they're doing together is great. I think what – I don't, I don't know. If, if Lacey Evans won the title, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. It's the one thing to take and, away and, from and it. And because it just keeps a good storyline going because it, it's kind of – this is their first opportunity to break away from it being like, all right, well, who else can we put Becky with? You know, other than Rhonda and Charlotte, Rhonda and Charlotte, Rhonda and Charlotte. And then it's like, oh, shit. And, like, you got this this up-and-comer of Lacey Evans who's been around and been good, but now it's, like, the right time. And, yeah, like, the I don't believe anyone who says it's go-away heat with her. Like, she's yeah. just got a great character, and you, and you suck, and you're getting work, you fucking mark. Like, that's, she's, that's, she's that's nailing it. it. She's great. And, and, and that opens up that world of all those characters, you know? Like, it gives people different things to aim for, to shoot for. I'm sure Aaliyah will be changing her gimmick again soon. <laughs> um, you know, which 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 <laughs> makes sense. You know, she was doing a Natty Nightheart gimmick for a while, then she's she's doing the Carmella thing. Yeah. I, I, I bet within four months she's doing an American Patriot thing, but we'll Probably. see. Probably. I think she's Canadian. I, I so... For me, the the one big takeaway to have is that if Lazy Evans took the belt, it'd be fine. But I do understand, and I, I was one of the first ones to say this with, like, she had the two belts or she was going for the two belts. What what does she do from there? Uh, I think Becky Lynch could foreseeably lose the belt to Lacey Evans. And then as long as you have a good reason she focuses somewhere else, I think you could have a Becky storyline that doesn't involve the belt. But you have to play it yeah. well. I don't trust that. But imagine this. So we we talked about the potential for Lacey Evans being the referee in the Seth Rollins match, and then you get a uh, mixed tag. That's probably, that just sounds the most WWE of the options. Yeah. But possibility. Lacey Evans, Becky Lynch, they go at it, they're attacking, and they get to a point in the match where Becky Lynch is probably going to get the upper hand on Lacey Evans. But who shows up other than Sasha Banks? First time we've seen her in months and she is the reason Becky Lynch loses because when you have that same, imagine the promo Dolph Ziggler did to Kofi Kingston, but it's Sasha Banks and less of a nasally whiny voice. So it's Sasha Banks nailing the promo, going back to being the boss and being like, I'm sick of you being the four horse woman that's gotten this push when 
I've done this, I've done that, da 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 da, and she's coming at Becky Lynch. And imagine a Becky Lynch Sasha Banks match that's not about a title. It's not about saying I'm holding this strap above my head, like after a match. This is about I'm better than you, and I'm gonna prove it at this pay per view. If you're able to do that, and Lacey Evans is able to face whatever face wants to move up the ladder and think they're the next one, and you have that, that's perfect. Especially considering the SmackDown Women's Champions Bailey right now. You need a good heel to be that other champion, and you could then get three top matches going at one time. I'm imagining Lacey Evans versus whichever face needs a good push. I'm imagining Bailey versus Charlotte. I'm imagining uh, Becky Lynch versus Sasha in a blood feud. I want to see that, which I, that's SummerSlam probably, but I, I always forget how far we are away. We're in June already, so we need to start thinking of that SummerSlam card. Yeah. That's good shit. Thanks. I'm going to put in for a WWE writer. They might give it to me. That's some really good shit. It's never going to be seen on WWE television. Uh, Next up, we're going to jump into the WWE Championship. Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Sorry for the spoiler earlier in the show when I said I just don't give a fuck right now about this. I wanted to. It's cage match. It's cage there, there's a chance for that to to add some importance, but I think they kind of missed the mark. I think they gave Dolph Ziggler too many weeks to say the same promo, which, as we know for Dolph Ziggler, it doesn't matter whether the promo is good. The, the mark on Ziggler is that it's the same old song and dance. Well, he showed that very quickly saying, it should have been me. Or actually, sorry, I didn't get that high enough. It should have been me. That's Dolph Ziggler every week, and if you wouldn't have done that, you're I right. liked what he was saying before that. If you slow it down to about half the speed, it should have been me. It's, yeah. You got it. You nailed it. So, I did, I, didn't I? The, the point is. He, Either way, it sucks. <laughs> well, I, I liked what he originally was doing. I liked the first promo he cut. Yeah. And then it like, degraded like, like from there. Like a year ago? Like, no, no, no. I oh, mean, mean literally. I mean, literally the one he cut when he was ready to cry but it was like a positive. It was like, we both are that when he was like, cause now he's, he does the WWE thing like this last week. He's like, you don't deserve the championship. Like motherfucker a month ago, you said he did deserve it. And you just should have been the guy who got it. Like the, the, the change of tone for these characters, that first one he hit, I was ready for. I thought it was good. I thought even like, I'm one of the ones I gave Seth Rollins so much shit for the whiny voice. I know it's very hypocritical considering when you listen to my voice, but <laughs> Dolph Ziggler did one that I, I thought he nailed it. I thought he had it. I thought it was perfect. And then from every week after that, they just like, they just either tried to hit the same notes and just made it repetitive or they just got lazy with it. And by the time it was done, I was like, I don't care. I don't care that he, whatever the fuck happened at the end of the Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler match at super showdown. I don't care what happened. And I don't care how that sets up a steel cage match. At the end of the day, you missed the opportunity to make me care. Just like you missed it when Dolph Ziggler dropped the U S belt and then gets eliminated to no fanfare in the Royal rumble. Like you took what was good and you ruined it within weeks. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I feel as well. I was like, yeah, fuck it. It's a cage match. I'll watch it. And uh, if it centers around Kofi hitting either a boom drop or a trust fall off the top of the cage. So I'm all good. Might happen. Might be yeah. good. If he hits one, but I don't know who would come out. I guess there's been a fight with he, New Day, say, KO, and Sami Zayn. I think he exactly, would get that cluster So you the get ring. them all out there, and, and instead of Kofi, Kofi coming Kofi down. to win, he's like, fuck this, and then. I want him to win by doing the trust fall. 
Like, I want like, him like just crash and burn and land, but he just lands on top. He of murders them, and it's a win because he touched the outside. Like, oh, you're saying, oh, do a trust fall to the outside? Yeah. Oh, God. I want him top of the steel cage. You're a sick man. I want him to hit KO, Sammy, Xavier Woods, Biggie, and it was a moment where he thought he was going to go back and hit Ziggler, but he needed to save his members of the New Day. And he crushes the outside, also gives him the win. Probably goes through a table while doing it. If there's a table, fine. I'm perfectly yeah, fine. I'm just saying, where the fuck else Great. are you going to land? Well, <laughs> on them. Yeah, well, but where are they going to be? Uh, like they're, in they're the either, corner of the cage. I think they're, they'd either be ramp side or they'd be uh, announcer's table side. You're like diagonal from the ramp. So like he's on the top corner. Oh, okay. And then he falls away from the ramp, but in that corner. I see. So that's that's the the game plan that I have. It's a very uh, specific ending to this match, folks. Let's see if it happens. Let's see if it happens. Uh, next up, uh, Bailey Alexa Bliss. I think this one's also very interesting because this is the first time in a while I could say Bailey has hit above average promos. It's yeah. a great time to say it as uh, you haven't watched the last couple of weeks, but uh, she's been nailing it. I've watched highlights. Uh, oh, good. But but no, I have I've paid attention. Glad you came in prepared. I've, I've paid attention to her run at least. Um, she's, uh, she's the Australian one, right? With the tag team partner. Okay. She's nailing it. Um, no. And also it's good to see Alexa Bliss back in the fucking ring too. So it is. I have been scared though. Cause it seems like they have limited her. They are it, keeping it, her out. She it, also, she seems skinnier than she was. Is it like, uh, is it concussions with her or neck thing? It's been concussions. Um, and they, you know, once you have those, it's very hard to figure out, like, they're either going to not let you wrestle at all yeah. or they're or just, they're like, going to be careful. Put a and real, yeah. So I remember, like, with Money in the Bank, in my mind, it's like, that's a smart decision. Keep her out. But if you're going to have her in matches and they're going to be very toned down, and I kept seeing, and part of this might just be perception, there were Twitter posts where she was doing these very acrobatic uh, like planned high spots where she's doing like, cause she's a gymnast and she's doing different like handsprings and whatever else into like hurricane ranas and whatever, like move. And she's doing it with like a male, like combatant in the ring and you watch it. And some of it's a little bit like, you know, you know, those, uh, uh, just, you know, flippy shit, uh, memes you end up seeing where they're yeah. like, Oh, they're just doing some routine, whatever. Hers look a little bit like that, but she finishes it with a strong move. And I was like, oh, they're going to bring her to do some of that. When I haven't seen any of it since she's gotten back in the ring. And that worries me a little bit. Also, like I said, with her being looking skinnier, you know, just watching some of the behind the scenes stuff. She has whatever issues with like anorexia and she's gotten to a point where she's like skinnier. And like normally when you see that with wrestlers, like they've been injured you get into a little bit better shape and try to, but it doesn't make sense for her. She's already really small and I would have to imagine her being skinnier is going to potentially hurt her more. I know it's just concussions. That's not like a, well, but also, I mean, that can put you out of your, your normal workout regimen too, which, which can lead to. Yeah. yeah, That's possible as well. Uh, But I'm just worried that as a smaller size where she's already small, like that's her thing. And you add in, she just looks a little bit slimmer. Like, yeah, it's a concussion injury, but like if she loses a little bit of weight, like you can get banged up a lot more when you're in a match. Although I guess if you look at the way wrestling's gone with a lot of the smaller wrestlers in recent years, uh, the evidence goes against that. They go to show that the smaller guys are in less, you know, 
trouble positions or like yeah. they're carrying less weight. I just don't know how much that affects somebody who's five foot and, tall. And yeah, and, and I, don't, I don't really know either. Um, I mean, that's it is a thing like since for the last good while, it's been a lot of like worrying about Alexa Bliss because she's she's a, a just an amazing performer. And it really sucks when you see people who are like really in their prime and just nailing it just get taken out by something bad. And like, not just from like a fan aspect of like, Oh, well, I was watching that, but like just from a human aspect yeah, of like, this is, this seems like a, like a really good person who's fucking living their dreams and doing the right thing. And then just gets fucking cut down by, you know, the hazards of the job. Yeah. It's so also, I, ho- I hope that's not the case. It also stands out more when she's having promos against Bailey. Cause as much as I would say, these are Bailey's best promos. At the same time, every time I think she's Bailey's doing really good, Alexa Bliss returns. I'm like, Alexa Bliss is head and shoulders above her uh-huh. in a way that's it's ridiculous. Like I hear what they're saying, I almost feel like they've given Bailey the better lines, but Alexa Bliss just kills it and does better anyway. No, it, it's it's they gave Bailey a machine gun and Alexa Bliss has to bring a knife she found in the cupboard and she's still winning the fucking fight. Yeah. Like it's she's just that goddamn good. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it. I think that builds in for a good match. I think it helps Bailey with the the story they're trying to tell with her. The only thing negative I would say about the whole thing is I'm very uh pessimistic about what they're doing with Nikki Cross as Alexa Bliss's like friend in this case. Uh, they've tried to, you know, they have to turn her into a normal person, which isn't the character she's been portraying. She's been a crazy person. Uh, I think that there's so many benefits. Like if you let me fantasy book it once again, WWE, bring me in. I can get Nikki Cross over. This will work great. Uh, I'm not even mad. Like some people are mad that she's not crazy anymore. I'd be fine with her being crazy if you do it right. Like if Alexa Bliss tries to teach Nikki Cross her world, like she does a mean girl segment. And turns her into okay. the next Alexa Bliss. But when Alexa Bliss turns on her, that's when Nikki Cross breaks and goes back into the crazy side. Perfectly fine with it. Uh, if they were just like the the edges of the crazy, like she, Nikki Cross is toning it down because that's how she gets time on TV. Wink, wink. That's like what uh, Luke Gallows used to say he did with, uh, what's the character on uh, Tex, Tex Ferguson? Tex Ferguson. Well, it was Sex Ferguson, but he had to tone it down for TV, and that's mm. how he got it to work on Southpaw. Like, if Nikki Cross had to do that, she's toning down the crazy, but that shit's going to come out. I think that could totally work. I just, once again, with WWE, I always fear that they're not even thinking that out. They're just using her as a kind of a prop for an Alexa Bliss push, and at the end of the day, they'll never give us that payoff with Nick. Uh, with Nikki Cross losing her craziness. That's probably the only thing with this rivalry. Otherwise, I think it's really good. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential. Uh, my one fear being, my other fear being that uh, Alexa Bliss didn't have a necessarily a great finish with Sasha Banks. So what happens when she's with Bailey, another technical worker who has less of the charisma, I would say, than Sasha Banks does? What happens? That Those are the two fears yeah. right now. What do they do with Nikki Cross? And if Alexa Bliss can't make it work with Sasha, can she make it work with Bailey? I mean, yeah, I, I think so. But um, I don't know. You fantasy book better than, than anyone, and, and, and it never happens that way anyway. So Thank you for saying that. It Who makes knows? me feel really good. I know. Uh, I, I, you know, and most of it is just kind of, you know, I... I I, um, broad strokes fan fantasy book, you know, it is like, here's where you should go fill in the lines. 
Uh, I feel like WWE wants to pride themselves on that. I wish they would do that more often is hear kind of the different fantasy bookings they hear from fans, know what the fans want and figure out like the best way to, uh, you know, define it within uh, those parameters. And they just sometimes they don't do it. I don't know whether they're not hearing it or they just don't care. Uh, this is a tough one because with Nikki Cross, I think it's a uh, it's such a great character. It's a character I care about. You care about. Wade cares about. Kinsey loves Nikki Cross, and every week, she all. I think she said this other week. She's like, I think I'm done watching wrestling. I think this is the moment when uh, EC3 came out with the uh, uh, ref shirt on, and then uh, after they did the weekend of burning series, she's like, All right, maybe I can like wrestling again. But there's these moments, and I think a lot of them happen because there's characters like Nikki Cross that fit so many different demographics and somehow Vince McMahon sees Nikki Cross and he's like, I don't know. We got to get rid of the crazy. He's got to get rid of the only thing that's truly yeah. remarkable about this. Character. Only I can be crazy. <laughs> so that's tough. And that puts me like, for me, I think at the end of the day, this probably isn't going to mean that much. I think Bailey Alexa bliss, uh, most likely just ends in a, uh, Bailey to belly. And we move on from there. And then Alexa Bliss keeps talking weeks after about how uh, Bailey just cheated to get the upper hand or did whatever. I don't know what the, the finish is. Probably a Nikki Cross trying to help but fails. And then Alexa uses that as like uh, over her head to say, you screwed me over and like you should be a better friend. That's probably the outcome if I'm WWE booking it. Uh, but I just think that at the end of the day, this could end in a very traditional fashion. But I'm always worried what's going to happen with Nikki Cross if we're going to get her in the middle of it. Is that a question? You're looking at me. No, I was letting you, if you wanted to jump on, add some more things. You want to talk about Roman Reigns, Drew McIntyre now? That's the next thing on the list. Yeah, I guess. You don't want to talk about this? I do. No, I'm just getting a a real, like like I said, it's it's very much like when I was going into Great Balls of Fire. I was like, just, I don't know. You want my hot take to help you bounce off of? It would be better if Wade was here. Although he would just not answer. He would just go back into shock. Uh, I think Shane's been killing it the last couple weeks. See, that's the thing. I don't really have a way to... F- I'm not going to fight you on this because I, I agree. <laughs> like the, the Shane segments that I've seen, yeah. I think... I'm sorry. I know this is making a really shitty podcast. I like think the, earlier I wouldn't have uh, liked it. I think a lot of the stuff he was doing, he was aiming for the same outcome. And not yeah. getting there even I, close. This past week, I did I did catch a good chunk of Raw, and the the backstage segment was really fun. I I like when they elaborate their backstage segments yeah. rather than standing in front of a curtain saying that they're in an office. Yeah. Um. And then the that's like like spear or, or not spear, but like the like the plancha over the barricade when Shane was looking the wrong way and looked the right way. It was that, so good. That was and really good. That did was you really see cool. when Shane got over the barricade? Yeah. Oh my god! Like I thought he was gonna die. He, but he, got, he almost got over. ate shit. He and got over. He, he nailed it. Yeah. And then he nailed the like looking in the wrong direction and yeah. Roman just hitting him. Good, good stuff. Uh, I thought the whole thing, the revival. Oh my god! They killed me when uh, it was Heath Slater coming to ask for a raise. And so the rest of it, we we can ignore how good they were at acting, going through that I want a raise thing, and we I have kids, and Shane's like, yeah, I have kids, but also no raise. But when Heath Slater leaves the room and like Shane nods and makes Drew McIntyre go after him and Drew comes out and he's like, hey, Heath, I just want to help you out. And he pulls money out of his pocket and he's pushing it into Heath's hands and it, 
he's like, no, 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 I can't do it. And then like the money drops on the floor and like Drew's like, I'll get it. And he's like, no, I'll pick it up. And as he Slater bends down to grab it, Drew McIntyre punches him in the face, beats the holy hell out of him, ends up being the revival and shame that's like pulling him off saying stop. And like this whole time, Drew McIntyre is just like playing this, like we used to be in the three man band card and like, the the callback is great. The performance is great. Yeah. And then at the last moment, if you're going to add in the humor, he he Slater is holding one of the hundred dollar bills or whatever denomination Drew McIntyre drops. And uh, Scott Dawson is like, stop, Drew, stop. And it, while still looking at Drew McIntyre, grabs the one bill and he Slater's so hand, good. pulls it out, puts it in his pocket. And later, I, this is where it goes negative is the. Uh, both of the revival pick up all the other bills, but oh, if it would have just ended with Scott Dawson grabbing the one bill in yeah. Heath's hands, like he did it so smoothly, I was like, "Damn, this is good. This is good stuff right it's now." So good. So I, watching all of that and watching what Shane Shane's finding that character and is it, it, it? It's weird. I don't know which parts he's having a problem with. I don't know if it's when it's the script he can't remember. Or if it's he's going off on his own tangent and he gets lost in the weeds. But there are moments where he's like awful. Then he hits a stride and you're like, this is the guy. This like pompous, rich boy, son of a billionaire that he yeah. nails. And then other parts where he's just trying. It's mostly when he, I, I'm assuming it's the script because he's trying to explain the situation. God damn it. Does he just fumble over everything? And you're like, well, this this is a waste of time. This is slow. This is terrible. And then all of a sudden he hits a couple of those moments and you're like, this can work. This can be the story. Uh, it will be very important to see what type of match they tell with Roman Reigns, and Drew McIntyre, because last time it was more of a, uh, one-sided affair with Roman Reigns getting the upper hand. Yeah. I want to see a full match. I want, don't make this. I know they're, they're kind of in a weird territory where they don't know, what to do with Roman Reigns, who used to be booed constantly, and now with uh, you know the cancer and the recovery, kind of got him back as a face where the WWE's won him the whole time. You don't want to drop the ball with that, but you will drop the ball if you're too careful. Let them yeah. have a real match, and I think they can. I want to see if it happens. I, at I, I think ground. this is where you see it too. Like like I think that WrestleMania was they did Mania because they had to. You got to get him on that card, but. He's not maybe at the point wasn't totally ready for like a full on barn burner. And I think now he is. And I think that you're going to get that. Yeah, I, I want to see that. I think well, with the way they build in, obviously, there's going to be some level of schmas built in with uh, whether it's rival coming out, just Shane getting involved, what have you. Um, but try like I really hope they're not just going for the payoff or the ending like make let them have a good match yeah. and then go with whatever storyline you're right. planning on telling at the end. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important. Now we're going to get to we're just going to do more of a rapid fire. We've been on talking way too long about a pay-per-view. We didn't care that much about or prep that much for. But there were a couple matches that still matter. Samoa Joe versus Ricochet, United States title match. This yeah. is the one I don't, I don't I don't need anything else. That's all I need. That's fair. So <laughs> I do have one worry, which is, okay, so you have Ricochet win the Fatal 5 way to get into this match. And I remember when it happened, I was just like, I like it. I like Ricochet as the next one. But if you think about it, Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, uh, we can have an argument back and forth. But at the end of the day, I think that rivalry at the end finished um, below expectations. I think when you have Samoa Joe with a smaller guy, I would imagine that should be a story that they can tell in the ring and it should work. 
I think obviously there were issues when you think of Samoa Joe getting like his nose broken. WrestleMania, I assume that was just something where they needed to end the match quickly, so it turned into a squash match. Uh, there, there were issues, but but at the end of the day, when you size it up, there is Samoa Joe facing one of the greatest high flyers in the history of wrestling, and it doesn't end very well. So now you have Samoa Joe facing Ricochet with no build up, no no sort of storyline going in. Just Ricochet is the next man up. Is there an issue with Samoa Joe facing high flyers, or is it just something where that no, just kind of didn't work out? And Samoa Joe Ricochet can. I th- I think it. Um... I think it was a couple just sort of freak things that made that not work out. And I think, I think that, that Joe is, I mean, he can, he can build an entire storyline in one promo. He's so good. And, and you still have that fun contrast that people kind of wanted to see with Ray versus Joe that I think they're, I think they're in a really good position where this could easily just sort of be like Ricochet kind of fill in that role for Ray and whatever plans they already had to make this like a really good long pro or long uh, program. I think they could move towards. That's fair. And I, I can't say I'm not excited to see it. I just do have that worry. I was, you know, expecting a little bit more of the Samoa Joe Ray Mysterio. I guess my main takeaway is uh, involving his son, but not having that payoff and then having Ray Mysterio. He's injured, right? That's the thing. Yeah. Like, so he dropped the title back to Samoa Joe. Uh, I think that maybe they would have played it better like down the road. Maybe there was just a kind of a long, uh, slow burn situation. Yeah. Um, but I definitely thought they they just failed to deliver that, something that I was interested in 90% of the time. Like I was waiting for something to happen that really just, you know, made me pop and it just didn't happen. Ricochet, though, makes me pop every time he does anything. So this should probably work out. Yeah, this will be fun. Next match, uh, New Day versus KO, Sami Zayn. This is one they've been building up, and I think uh, some great work from KO, Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn first by himself doing the attack the fans in a way that I just, I think, should have already happened, and Sami Zayn did it in a fairly fun way. I thought after a few weeks, they kind of didn't expand any further with it, uh, but they did let Sami Zayn say uh, AEW in the middle of a promo, yeah, so I guess fun. that works. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they're they're doing great together, and then the way they it seems organically built into New Day to let these two have a tag match, and importantly, uh, the other match that we'll talk about after this is Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery for the SmackDown tag titles, Raw tag titles with the rival not on the card. So New Day versus KO and Sami Zayn, uh, a non-title match that is more important than any of those other possible rivalries. What do you think about this match? Um, I think it makes sense because when you put Biggie, Xavier Woods, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. That's some of the best minds in wrestling right now, I think. And I think that holy shit, this is gonna be a really good match. Like it's just it's just four dudes who really understand every single aspect yeah. of of what makes fans tick. And I think they're gonna put on a really good show. Yeah, and I think also when you have the like uh <clears throat> the just sort of uh, tangent to the main event picture, having New Day with Kofi Kingston as WWE champion, KO having just recently fought Kofi for the belt. You have uh, a level of gravitas to the match that otherwise wouldn't be there. This this might seem something that's just kind of forced together. Well, and, and but K- there's more and, there than you think. And KO, you know, joining mm-hmm. and fucking over New Day, all you know, like yeah. th- there's. 
there are levels of this where it's not just a random, like, well, what do we do with a new day? No, there's a actual build there to where, like you said, it's more important than a, than a, you know, four week run into a tag team title yeah. program. So uh, the next one, it wasn't a four-week build, but it exists. Daniel Bryan versus Rowan. I didn't even realize Daniel Bryan was cleared to wrestle before they already had this match set up. Uh, going against Heavy Machinery, which as much as I love Otis and I barely remember Tucker. Tucker's the other guy, right? Uh, as much as I barely All remember. All night Tucker night. Uh, I think that somehow there's been no build-up, but this was the pick other than the revival facing, I don't know, fucking anyone. Ever face, face on a main card of a pay per view facing heavy machinery, hell like. do that. Yeah, the wild card rule, bitches. <laughs> um, do it. I don't know. I'm gonna watch it. That's, I, I that, like everyone involved. Know, yeah, that's the thing is I'm 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 from a match perspective. I'm down. I'm gonna watch. Cool. In terms of storyline, I just don't understand how this SmackDown tag titles that were like on the shelf as Daniel Bryan is like injured is the thing that makes it onto this card. While another tag team, no belts, New Day, KO, and Sami Zayn, I get why that's um, there, but I don't get why the revival are like just holding the belts for show. Women's yeah. tag titles also just yeah. held, I mean, not on pay per view. I'm I'm also uh, firm in the camp that. If you don't have the Usos on a pay-per-view, you've made a mistake. That's fair. You know, so so I don't know. Um, maybe it's a, if anything, if this has any real major outcome, it would be a turning point for Daniel Bryan where they lose the titles and he goes back into singles and moves towards like the world title or something. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. That makes sense. Um, my guess is they keep him with it because, I mean, maybe Daniel Bryan is the next one to come back at Kofi Kingston. That might be their next move. But my guess is until they're ready to restart that rivalry, uh, it's probably just going to be Daniel Bryan holding the tag titles uh, to hold him over. Uh, Tony Nese, Akiro Tozawa, uh, cruiserweight title match. This is another one that... And Drew Gulak. Oh, is he in it? What happened? Triple threat. Did I miss that? My bad. I I, I grabbed... I mean, this is... Is, it, is that what it says on there? Did yeah. I, did I just mistype it? Yeah. My bad. It's the cruiserweight, <laughs> so I didn't spend time. Oh, I did miss triple triple threat with Drew Gulak. Well, that changes everything. We're going to talk about this for 20 minutes now. That was a heavy <laughs> sigh, Ethan. It's getting late. Um, I don't know. We can talk about it as much as... Uh much as WWE is going to talk about it. Which is none. We're mm-hmm. done. That's the end of the Making a Mark Wrestling. No, uh, no Tony Nese, no, kid, uh, uh, same uh, thing every time. No, yeah. it, it, it could, it, a lot of the it'll, Cruiserweight matches have be been very match. good. It'll be a very fun match. And it's going to, and that's like the problem is like, it is something where it. I wish that you can't expect your fans to care about it if the WWE doesn't care about it. I can. I can expect fans to get popped over things that they see on Twitter yet somehow when they have a weekly show of 205 live they have a NXT NXT UK and then they're still mad that they're not given enough good programming WWE delivers a lot of good programming if you want to watch good wrestling matches they're on weekly for hours if you want to watch what they're selling to the general public which is Raw and Smackdown then maybe you're going to be disappointed, but that's there too. Do they really give a shit? They care enough to give you that every week. Mm. How much have you been watching, Ethan? Exactly. Mr. Smart? No, that's not exactly. Don't pretend that that's proven my point wrong. That's proven my point right. 
don't really know what your point was. My point is there's good wrestling on NXT, but if you're not watching every week, how can you blame WWE for, like, what do you mean caring? They need to do weird promo packages every week? Yeah. No. No, no not promo packages on the show, but promote the fucking show. What do you mean promote it? Promote it. Where? On fucking network television. The, so they need, once again, that's back to promos. That's back to segments of Raw that are isolated to say, I don't hey, really, go I, watch I, Honestly, Live. I don't give a shit. We're, this this is tough. I, I don't care. You're right. I don't give you a don't shit. You don't care about NXT? I don't give a shit. I care about NXT. I don't give a shit about fucking Five Live. That's fair. There. But So what's the difference? I don't know. NXT is better stories. Does Five Live need its own pay-per-view? Nobody said this yet. I just broke broke some news here. Maybe. I mean, it, it's... Uh, all right, if, if we're going to talk, like, what are the differences between NXT and 205 Live? I think it's pay-per-views think- that nail it and have a fandom that shows up as opposed to a general audience that shows up and then disappears for a weekly Raw or SmackDown. Uh, I guess it's SmackDown okay, so, now with 205 Live. So move, move 205 Live to a, like, home venue, like how they have Full sale. Full sale. They could just be full. Why not? Full sale. Why don't they? It do could that? be a part of NXT. I don't know. You you have all the answers. Why don't they do that? Uh, I don't have the answer. I don't know what what yeah. decisions they make within WWE. Yeah. Say the find find out. I, come back to me. Uh, I'll give you a week. All right. So Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, and Drew Gulak. Uh, cruiserweight title match might be fun. Might not. Who knows? Uh, that's the it. That that's the end of. Uh, I think. Ethan fell asleep in the middle of the podcast. What show is this? So that's it. That's uh, that's all we have talking about stomping grounds and you know, looking at the end. I do have one thing. I guess we did skip this a little bit. Uh, we're going to do a quick little shoot here. Uh, Drew McIntyre talking on the Sam Roberts podcast about basically addressing what John Moxley said on Chris Jericho's podcast about, uh, ruining their characters by being stuck to the script, saying dumb things that Vince forces into scripts. And Drew McIntyre basically said, uh, I have not been forced to read scripts verbatim. He said it with a gun to his head, but uh, he was talking about being able to say what he wants and very specifically uh, just uh, to, to go with a couple of the quotes here. Uh, Drew McIntyre said, as much as everybody reads online that you're handed these scripts and you have to say everything verbatim, word for word, and you've got to say, you've got no say in who you are, that's not really true. Everything I'm given, I assure you, what comes on screen, especially promos, is not exactly what's on script. It's up to me to figure out how to put Drew Galloway, that's actually how he said it, so he's just as much as Mark as Ethan is, boy. into that. I'm, uh, how am I going to make this real for me? Even if it's something that's obviously completely a story, I got to find something real, something to latch onto, because if I don't latch onto it and I don't believe it, then the audience don't believe it. And I love how he ends with the audience. Don't believe it. That's a great, yeah. great way to describe it. No, I know uh, that. So when he talks about that, and additionally, uh, road dog, uh, was talking about Xbox podcast. Uh, his was a little bit more pointed and is actually the thing I want to end up getting into. Uh, he doubled down on that and said, uh, he believes that wrestlers perpetuating this notion, uh, about scripts being forced to be read verbatim are the ones who are forced to stick to the script because they weren't getting to cut. They weren't good at cutting promos. And that's great because we know it's about John Moxley who most of us agree pretty good at, Cutting promos. What do you think about Drew McIntyre and uh, Road Dog 
playing defense for WWE about their heavily pr- uh, scripted promos. Um, I think that he, w- the point that he's making of like, well, they give you scripts if they don't think you're good, but that's the thing. It's not if you're if you're bad at it. It's if you're not giving WWE what WWE wants. So it's kind of an in between of it's not just oh well, if you can't cut a promo for shit, we're gonna give you a script. It's if you can't cut the promo we want, we're gonna give you a script. And 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 I believe I I, I do believe what 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 uh, Drew is saying about how like you got to make your audience care. At the same time, I want to hear this from somebody who's not currently employed by WWE. That's fair. That's that's my that's my stance. Is like if there's somebody who worked for WWE who comes out and says like, no, it is like that. Then okay, I'm gonna believe it a lot more. Other than coming from so. What situation are you no longer working for WWE and you no longer have an axe to grind? Just playing devil's advocate here. Um, I don't know. What's Doink the Clown doing? Uh, that was so long ago. It was before scripts were a big deal. That was, uh, I, I think, just based on the knowledge we have with Stone Cold talking about it, it was around the time that WCW went out of business that the scripts and the writers became such a heavy part of the infrastructure uh, that is uh, creating the WWE product. So it's around then everything before that is it, it is unscripted or promos that are, you give direction, but you're not given scripts. Uh, so you're saying somebody who left on good terms, who no longer works for WWE. I'm just saying, yeah. How, how do you find somebody who fits that criteria? I don't know. So that's tough. Like I, I try to meet in the middle. I'm not going to disregard anybody. I'm not going to disregard Gunn. Your, Bill, I, There, you have my answer. <laughs> Billy Gunn. I want to hear what Billy Gunn has to say on the matter. So I'm not going to disregard what Road Dog says, other than the fact that he's saying, like we mentioned, about cutting good promos. It, the only way I can trust that at face value is the thing that you brought up, which is there is cutting the promos WWE wants and being bad at cutting those promos is different than being bad at cutting promos. Right. And that's where I think John Moxley, where Dean Ambrose fell as part of WWE. In terms of what Drew McIntyre is talking about, that is important because that does tell you, okay, when you watch Drew McIntyre each week, it does feel like he's reading his own shit. Like, it does sound like he's gotten more control over his character. And you're like, why is this different than everybody else I'm saying? Um, Maybe it is people. I think it's because Vince doesn't understand the Scottish accent and he likes the the cadence that he's delivering it in. He's like, oh, well, fuck, yeah, you're nailing it, pal. That might be possible, but maybe other wrestlers and, you know, not to put, you know, John Moxley on there, but maybe somebody like Bailey, where they think that their job is simply delivered exactly how Vince gives it to them. And they're very bad at doing that. They're bad at memorizing, bad at saying it with believability, bad at adapting their character to it, where guys like Drew McIntyre understand it, they get it, they know what, like, and maybe that's the biggest problem with John Moxley is Drew McIntyre knows what things I can't miss. John Moxley is actively fighting those things. I don't want to do the things that Vince McMahon believes need to make it in. When you're talking about bullet points, Daniel Bryan hits the bullet points. John Moxley is arguing with Vince in the office. Get rid of the bullet points. Yeah, and and Daniel Bryan elaborates on the bullet points in a way that shows how good he is. Like that that might be your best promo in the WWE right now is like a lot of the stuff that he's cutting for the like WWE.com stuff. And for like the Twitter universe, it's not the stuff that's necessarily the in ring His just, just uh, kind of almost those random Thursday afternoon pop-up on Reddit promos are some of the best 
promos I'm seeing in wrestling. So Dan O'Brien doing an amazing job of the promos he's gotten for WWE. John Moxley doing great with the promos he's gotten for AEW, which will be interesting as we come back next week, talk about AEW Fighter Fest, which a they're having for free. So everybody listening, this isn't $50 like it was for Double or Nothing. You can go to Bleacher Report, make your account. You can watch AEW Fighter Fest, and you're going to get some pretty good matches. John Moxley facing off with Joint Janela among other matches, such as Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks facing off with uh, Lucha Bros and something Dorado. What's the Lin- no, not Lin- <laughs> who are you gonna uh, say? Nobody. Lance Dorado is that Lance something. Storm? No, no, Lince Dorado's in Lince- the house party. Damn, then I'm whatever it is. There's Laredo. Maybe it's Laredo. Oh, okay. Then yeah. Fuck yeah. Is that a guy? Who is that? That's a guy. That's a professional. <laughs> what's his first name? It's got to be something Laredo. No. Whatever. Say. So Lucha Brothers with random other Lucha individual. It doesn't matter. It's going to La tear Parca? the house down. What? Is it La Parca? Is that who you're talking about? No, no, no. Uh, we'll find it out later. I have no idea what uh, I'm talking about. I just know uh, that that match is obviously going to be really good. There's a lot of stuff on that card uh, that you should be interested in and it's free, so why would you not watch it? And we will be back next week to do the preview, and I'll make sure I know who's actually teaming up with the the Lucha Bros. And that's it. That's all we have for this episode of the Making a Mark Wrestling Show on the Tell Me More podcast. Later, Marks. Later, Marks.